So God dealt well with the midwives. And the Hebrew people became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, God gave them families. Rewriting history. Two weeks ago, I started this three-week sermon series. It's based on the first two chapters of the book of Exodus. By looking at the legacy of Joseph and the cultural memory of the Hebrews, by examining the insecure and woeful ignorance of a new king in Egypt, we've discussed two ways that we rewrite history. Some of us rewrite history by wearing rose-colored lenses. Moral hindsight is 2020. We lift up moments of progress and we gloss over moments of pain. We lift up those who we now deem as heroes and we minimize our own objections and even indifference. This is how we can celebrate a dreamer like Joseph while denying that we would have never been like Joseph's brothers. Never would we have bullied. Never would we have been among those who mocked his dreams. And while some of us wear rose-colored lenses toward the past, others of us just simply wear blinders. We ignore the history of some. We remain intentionally ignorant of the struggles, successes, and aspirations of particular groups. And like this new pharaoh in Egypt, when we deny groups of people their history, we can deny them of their humanity. And when we deny them of their humanity, we can justify or excuse the harm that we inflict. So two weeks ago, we looked at the legacy of Joseph. Last week, we examined the willful ignorance among the Egyptians. And today, I want to consider some courageous women in the text. Oh, some of you remember last week when the insecure king sends out a decree. The handmaidens are to murder the male children born of the Hebrew women. Professor Eck, that's the new law. That's the new Egyptian federal policy. For in Pharaoh's mind, the Hebrews are the source of the nation's demise. Oh, who cares that the nation owes its prosperity to Joseph's ability to both envision and interpret dreams? Who cares that according to legend, the Hebrews were active and engaged members, productive members of the host society. This new Pharaoh was scared and insecure. He was politically competent and morally weak. And history reveals to us 
that weak leaders always need strong scapegoats. But fortunately, there were women in this story. <laughs> women who adhered to a higher moral ethic than the Egyptian state. Women who answered to a higher moral authority than the prescribed law. The Hebrew handmaidens in chapter 1. Shifra and Pua, as well as an unnamed Levite woman in chapter 2. These women, they're exemplars of ethical integrity. When the law said murder, they opted for life. When the law sought to dehumanize, they opted for dignity. Whereas the law fostered cruelty, these women opted for compassion. They defied Pharaoh in order to adhere to a higher standard. These women, they exercised their moral clarity. These women demonstrated what we like to call moral courage. Moral courage. To some, that's an interesting term. For usually when we think about courage, we associate courage with physical feats of bravery. Think the first responders at the Twin Towers 16 years ago on 9-11. Courage, think of men like Purple Heart recipient and Harvard Business School graduate Colonel Everett Spain. Spain was just 100 yards from the finish line of the Boston Marathon when the bombs exploded. And Colonel Spain ran toward, not away from the trouble, in order to provide medically, medical care and, and create tourniquets for those who were badly injured. These physical acts of physical courage, these are the valiant acts that we applaud. These are courageous acts that we appreciate. Moral courage, however, is not just about physical prowess in the heat of a moment. Moral courage is the ability to uphold one's values, particularly in the face of personal loss. Moral courage, it's our capacity to stand for what's right despite the negative consequences. Moral courage is our ability to affirm noble truths against more convenient and even soothing lies. Moral courage, it's choosing the difficult rather than the easy wrong. Now I realize for some, I want to be clear about this because when we start talking about moral courage, uh, especially when we're talking about making unpopular decisions, it's easy to claim moral courage when harsh criticism is directed toward us. Think about this for a second. Consider the holy roller who loves to tell everybody else how they're going to hell. Think about that blowhard boss who's heavy-handed with negative criticism and withholds praise. Or even note the 
uncompromising politician who champions austerity and financial cuts to the detriment of the most vulnerable in a society. All of these people could declare, I don't care if nobody likes me. I'm a truth teller. I have moral courage. Well, maybe you're just being a jerk. For when we think about moral courage, there's certain values and virtues that have to be in place. I like the way that the late author Rushwood Kidder identified it. He said that these values include honesty, responsibility, and respect. Telling the truth, a willingness to accept the price for one's actions, while acting in a way that's respectful toward all. Honesty, responsibility, respect. But there are two more, Dr. Sfluka. There's two more. Oh, there's fairness and also compassion. For having more courage means that we speak to expand rather than deny opportunities for others. We seek the difficult path of providing care rather than the easy, relatively easy road of indifference. And I want to say when I look at these women in the text, they demonstrate moral courage. Oh, I can hear Pua saying to Shifra, I know we're not supposed to defy Pharaoh. I know he gave us direct orders to kill the firstborn boy of the Hebrews. I know we might lose our job and our positions if he finds out. I know we can end up in prison for defying him. Oh, but I know also know. I also know that our job is to give life, not deny it. Our job is to deliver, not take away. So I would rather suffer temporarily so that we can be on the right side of eternity. And my friends, there comes a time in life where we all have to decide to choose the difficult right over the convenient wrong. There are times on our jobs, in our communities, in our communities of faith, that we have to weigh decisions through the framework of honesty, responsibility, respect, fairness, and compassion. For there are times that we must choose civil disobedience over civil obedience. For when we look throughout the annals of history, too many have suffered. Too many have been discriminated against. Too many have endured pain and agony at the hands of tyranny. Why? Because too many of us at the wrong times have remained civilly obedient. The words of the late historian Howard Zinn, if we define patriotism as the love of one's country and loyalty to justice and democracy, then patriotism requires us to disobey government whenever it violates these principles. Civil disobedience, it's not against democracy, it is vital to democracy. 
consider. Recall a young woman in Montgomery, Alabama. She knew that the laws of Jim Crow and public transportation were unfair and unjust. Riding home on the bus one day in 1955, she was in the section designated colored. But it was the custom of bus drivers to have African-American riders stand up and give up their seats to whites whenever the bus was crowded. When the bus driver told this woman to stand up and give up her seat, she refused. She said, I paid my money like everybody else and I ain't going nowhere. This woman ended up in a Montgomery jail cell. Now I know some of you are thinking of who? Rosa Parks. I'm actually talking about a 15-year-old girl named Claudette Colvin. This arrest took place nine months before Rosa Parks was arrested. You see, Ms. Colvin knew something about the unjust nature of segregation. She was a member of the NAACP Youth Council where Rosa Parks was her director. And just that day in school, Claudette Colvin had written a paper in class about segregation in shopping in the city of Montgomery. For African Americans could not try on clothes or shoes in department stores. As a matter of fact, customers had to carry a brown paper bag in order to draw an outline of one's foot in order to shop for footwear. But even in this moment in the bus, less than thinking about herself, it was when Claudette looked over at that pregnant African American woman next to her who was being forced to give up her seat. And like our young people on this campus, it was at that moment that this young girl said, I'm fed up, I'm not taking it no more. She would rather go to jail with dignity than have her soul imprisoned by injustice. And I believe my friend similar might be said of Moses' mother, this unnamed Levite woman in the text, the handmaidens, they helped this woman hide her son for three months. They helped her, I'm sure, build this waterproof basket. She strategically places him in the Nile, and then the basket is retrieved by Pharaoh's daughter. And with quick and clever thinking, Moses' big sister runs up and says, don't you want me to get a Hebrew woman to work as your nanny? Come on, Miss Egyptian lady. Don't you want to be in style like the other ones and have a Hebrew domestic? And because of her quick thinking, this Levite woman was able to raise her own Hebrew son within the Egyptian halls of power. And I'm here to say from what we know about Moses' later life and his own moral convictions, it's clear that Moses' mother passed down her values to her son. Honesty, responsibility, respect, fairness, compassion. Oh, I can imagine Moses attending school with other Egyptian boys. Ah, but Moses' mother every night teaching him different lessons from the tradition. I can imagine she taught him about their rich Hebrew history. 
I can imagine she taught him that God gave Noah the rainbow sign. But there's going to be no more water. It'll be fire next time. I can imagine that she taught him that Abraham and Sarah stepped out on nothing, confident in their faith that they would land on something. I can imagine that she taught him that Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night long for justice takes patience and persistence if we want God to bless us. And I can imagine that she taught him about Joseph. And if you want to live an honest and a decent and a right life, Moses, sometimes you're going to have to pay for it with persecution and with abuse. And I would like to lend for your reasoning ear this morning that this is probably how we end up with a Moses who's able to stare down evil and injustice. This is what animated him ultimately to stand before Pharaoh and declare with crystal clear conviction, let my people go. These women, they implanted something down on the inside of him. These women, they were moral exemplars of virtue and courage. But most importantly, these women were rewriting history. For because of their efforts on that day, today we honor Moses and not Pharaoh. We sing a song of a, not of Egyptian military power, but we sing about a God who can part the Red Sea. These women with their moral courage. What Pharaoh wanted to will for the future, they decided with their convictions that they were going to rewrite the future of their people. That's the question. I think we all have to ask ourselves today. What history are we going to write? What legacy are we going to leave? Some, some want to mark this moment as one of xenophobia and Islamophobia. Some want to mark this particular moment in American history as a time of buffoonery and bigotry. My friends, I have the audacity to believe that our young people, that they have the moral courage, clarity, and conviction to rewrite this moment. I've seen them in the street chanting, education, not deportation. I've seen them raising rainbow signs, declaring love wins. I've seen them joining hands across difference, gay, straight, Jewish, black, brown, and Asian, brothers and sisters singing, no need to clutch for power. No need for the light just to shine on me. But I need to be one in the number as we stand against tyranny. We who believe in freedom shall not rest. We who believe in freedom shall not rest until it 